He said to me, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to go to hospital once a month for the rest of your life, get these transfusions and just learn to live with it. I hit rock, rock bottom and I woke up the next morning super angry and I was like, I've been learning about all this stuff about food and supplements and lifestyle and I'm like, why aren't I listening to anything? Cut yeah. the processed foods, eat whole foods. Within two months, I started feeling better. Within a couple months after that, my test results started to improve. Like it was, it was actually in the science, like my test results started yeah. lifting. Why is there such a, a hesitancy by a lot of the traditional medical field? This is your symptoms, like this drug or do this. Like They've been educated to like treat the symptom and not the cause of the doctors. A lot of it's about the science, a lot of big drug companies fund all that science. It's something as simple as food and your lifestyle yeah. can make such an extraordinary difference. Why not try it? Hi, I'm Peter Schulman and this is Life, Money and Love. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing or whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, Peter, thank you so much for coming in. Um, We've got today for everyone watching, we've got Peter Schulman on the podcast, the founder, CEO of uh, Goodness Me. And you guys have been around for eight years, like we're just chatting about. And first of all, I just want to congratulate you on that because just staying around in business, let alone being successful, but surviving in business for eight years is a massive accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Um, and look, you've had a, obviously a, a really incredible journey, what you've gone on personally and then through business and then obviously launching the subscription boxes, which we'll talk through the whole business journey and then kind of how the business is transforming now throughout 2022. Um, but I think to start, obviously, to, to, to do justice to your story, I think we need to go back to the beginning and, and kind of, you've spoken about this before, but I really want to go back to that moment and, and the health struggles that you were presented with that genuinely was the catalyst for you deciding, I, I, I need to start this business. So take me back there. When, when all that like life was, I'm, I'm assuming, was pretty crazy at that time and you, you were getting all these symptoms and you weren't exactly sure why. And then talk to me about that. And one was, yeah, yeah, sure. So I was 21 when I thought yeah. what I got was like the flu or something yeah. and it turned into like months of bed rest and then years uh, of like achy limbs, headaches, shot immune system. Like I just felt awful all the time and was like really, really struggling with day-to-day -day life. And the problem I was, I was finding is I'd go to a doctor and yeah. they wouldn't find anything or often they use the, oh, you've got chronic fatigue yeah. as sort of this yeah. blanket diagnosis yeah. and perhaps they might not really know what's going on. In my experience, that's what I found. Yeah. But I think when you feel bad for so long, you sort of just start to accept it and like you forget what it's like yeah. to like have full energy and jump out of yeah. bed. I definitely think that's what happened to me. Um, and then it was about year three, I'd gone to the GP again and he put me on an antibiotic for the eighth time because my immune system was so bad. I'd been sick so many times that year. Yeah. And I just, I remember turning to him. It's really hard to speak up to your doctor, by yeah. the way. Like you often think what they tell you is gospel and yeah. like you shouldn't question and you shouldn't have, I've learned otherwise. Mm. Um, but I just said to him, this isn't normal. Please send me to like another yeah. specialist. Like I was just, I was in tears. Like I yeah. just remember being so frustrated. And after all those years, I was finally diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Yeah. And so my body doesn't create antibodies like everyone else's. Okay. Um, so I get sick really easily and then I struggle to like fight off a virus. And yeah. so it sort of explained what was happening, which is kind of a relief when yeah. you realize and you're yeah. like, okay, now I can actually yeah. try to do something about it. Um, but the experience I had as well when I went to the specialist, he said to me, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to go to hospital once a month for the rest of your life, get these transfusions and just 
learn to live with it. Mm. And so I was like, I was 24 at the time. My friends were going out and having fun. Like I felt like I was missing out a lot in life. And yeah. I started working at a PR agency actually in what they'd call preventative health at the time, yeah. but was not loved it, but I wasn't actually like putting into practice yeah. anything yeah. I'd been learning about. So that was the real turning point for me because I got quite angry mm. um, and upset when I heard, well, there's nothing you can do. So, yeah, that was sort of the start of my journey at that point. Yeah, and what's what's going through your head at that age? Because you mentioned two things that are, that are really interesting already that I know that feeling as well, like you, when, you, when you're feeling sick and I've never been sick for that a prolonged period of time, but like you said, you kind of start to get used to it and like you forget what it is to feel like you're not like what your levels of energy should be and how you should be feeling. Like, for example, one thing for me, like I had like back pain for, for a while, not like a, a slip disc, just back pain for ages. And I remember living with it for like a year, two years. And then like I went to a Cairo and within a month, like I was like completely gone. I'm like, I can't believe I was living like that for so long. So I understand how that can happen. But what was the trigger point for like, you've kind of got used to that and accepted it. But then what made you say like, this is enough is enough. I'm not going to fucking go do these shots for the rest of my life. I'm only 24 years old. What what was going through your head then? And, and what made you think like, that's it. I've, I've put up with this enough and put your foot down with your doctor. Yeah. I think it's when you, I hit rock, rock bottom, okay. which I've found a lot of people with their health. When you hit rock bottom, that's when you make a change. It's so hard to like have that preventative mindset early on, but that's what we should all be doing really. Yeah. Um, I just remember I was super upset. He also told me it was linked to some other very scary condition, which really scared me yeah. a lot. And then I woke up the next morning super angry and I was like, I've been learning about all this stuff about food and supplements and lifestyle. And I'm like, why aren't I listening to anything? And um, I called up one of the heads of this health organisation we'd been doing PR for and asked her to recommend yeah. another doctor for me. And she recommended a doctor who was integrative and I yeah. went to her and really, thanks to her, she gave me hope. Like she yeah. was the one who was like, change your lifestyle, um, try reduce the inflammation in your body by eating anti-inflammatory foods, cut yeah. the processed foods, eat whole foods, etc. And within two months I started feeling better. Within a couple of months after that, my test results started to improve. Like it was, it was actually in the science, like my test results started yeah. lifting and the specialist was, the original specialist was like in shock when he saw that. Why, why is there like a refusal to look at integrative health or like treat, treating the root cause of things or looking at it in a holistic way rather than, okay, this is your symptoms, take this drug or do this. Like, why is there such a, a hesitancy by a lot of the traditional medical field? And like my partner, like her whole family are doctors and like, she's very into like holistic health as well. And like, it works with like a naturopath and her family's like, oh, this is like bullshit what yeah. they're giving you. Why, why is there so much hesitancy to look at health in this holistic way? Yeah, that's interesting. My dad's a doctor as well, yeah. so he's a radiologist. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so when you grow up and you hurt yourself, they're yeah. like, oh, you'll be fine because they're used to seeing so yeah. much worse, you yeah. know. Um, I think they've been educated to like treat the symptom and not the cause. It actually takes a lot longer to like look at the cause and try to figure out what's going on. And our system these days, you're in and out the doctor's office and 10 or 15 minutes, there's yeah. so much pressure on the system. Um, and also until recently they weren't really teaching nutrition in medicine, yeah. okay. um, which I found pretty astounding yeah, right? as well. Um, and then perhaps like there aren't as many clinical studies out there and for doctors a lot of it's about the science, a lot of the big drug companies mm. fund all that science. So you've got yeah. the proof there, yeah. and that's yeah. which is fair enough and there's absolutely a place for that and a place mm. for medicine, but – 
for me, it was like a, something as simple as food in your lifestyle yeah. can make such an extraordinary difference. Why not try it so and give it a go? What, what were the changes that you made in your life? The biggest thing for me was cutting out artificial and processed yeah. foods. Um, so anything with ingredients I didn't really understand. Um, anything inflammatory, gluten was a trigger for me. Um, alcohol, alcohol made me feel really bad. Um, and then it was just, you know, trying to reduce that stress and not yeah. sleep, which, which is really hard as well, yeah. because, you know, I ended up starting a business off the back of this and so there's yeah. nothing more <laughs> stressful you could do. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was mainly the food. I was on some supplements as well, but it was yeah. mainly the food that made the biggest difference. And with that recovery period, is that when you were working at the, at the PR agency or did you start working on the, on the business straight away? Walk me through the recovery yeah. period and like what the steps were for you as you started to feel better. And was it like a gradual thing? Like over a year you started to feel better or yeah, it was, what was the process? It was gradual. So like three of my antibodies were deficient. So like every three months, one of them would get into normal range. So yeah. it was kind of like this process. But um, during the time I was working in the PR agency, I'd started to discover all these brands out there that were made with whole ingredients, but like I couldn't find them in the supermarket or I'd really struggle and they tasted good yeah. as well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's this misconception out there to be healthy, yeah. doesn't taste good. And my background in PR and like marketing, I wanted to help promote these brands. So I started getting this idea of why don't I do a subscription box where yeah. we're essentially a marketing service promoting these brands to very targeted audience. Yeah. And at the same time, the customer gets to experience this like surprise and delight and like what I went through yeah. discovering these products. So I spent six months working on a business plan and then I was feeling so good by the end of the year. My, he was my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, we decided to go on this hike in Chile, which I would have never, ever yeah. been able to do the previous yeah. years. And I thought if I'm still excited about this, when yeah. I get back, I'm going to quit my job yeah. and just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's exactly what happened. So you came back and then did you have like a buffer save when you have enough savings to get me through X amount of months or how did you plan through that? Because that's the hardest part for people that want to start a business and are in a job where they might be earning decent money and they have that comfortable life. It's like, but I'm always interested to hear the way people do it. Do they just save up a, a, a buffer and then quit and just give it everything? Or did you kind of go part-time and gradually, you know, step like reduce your hours until the business could grow? How do you yeah. do it? Well, I mean, what I did, I probably couldn't do now because I've yeah. got a little girl and yeah. much more responsibility, but I was 24. Mm -hmm. And so I'd saved up $20,000, which yeah. was what I put into to start the mm -hmm. business. Um, I didn't really think yeah. that far ahead, Dylan. Like yeah. I was like... After I launched the business, like that day I realized, okay, I've got three months to like before I can't pay my rent anymore. Yeah. So for me, that was really make or break. Yeah. But also I thought the worst case scenario is I'll get another job in PR. Like I didn't leave it because I didn't love it. I yeah. actually enjoyed it. Like the downside and the risk wasn't as great as, yeah. it, as it would be today. And yeah. so I was like, I'm just going to yeah. go for it. It's, it's funny you say that the amount of people that uh, we've had on, I ask similar questions. So I'm like, oh, did you plan it out much? Did you think about like your finances and how long exactly needed? He's like, no, I just did it. And like the naivety of like that you need to have when you're going into a business is so important, right? Like uh, yeah. if you knew everything that was going to be involved and how hard it was going to be and everything you had to overcome, I don't think you would have done it, do, you know, do Literally. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm so glad I was naive and I didn't, I didn't think about it too yeah. much. Like, and that's the problem. You can overthink it and then get stuck and then not start. Yeah. So um, there is sort of value in not doing that and yeah. just 
jumping in and going for it. And all I really cared was about like the marketing launch. Like I was like obsessed with that because I was so obsessed with that, that actually was what really took off for the business. But then like a year later, a few of those things came to like bite me and caused issues Yeah, because I was so focused on that. Well, let's talk about some of those issues. What were some of the major uh, challenges you had to overcome in the early days? Like I know uh, I, I read somewhere that you'd done all this work, you built all your branding, you were ready to launch. And then maybe two weeks before you were actually going to launch, you found a similar bit, like someone who's launching a very similar business with the same name or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I remember um, one of the girls I was working in PR with, she actually said, hey, I got this press release for this yeah. other company and um, – very similar name. Yeah. It was sort of a similar concept. They're just selling gift boxes. And yeah. so I freaked out and I spent, I had like two grand left. I spent like that two grand rebranding yeah. everything, reprinting everything. Um, but I'm glad I made that decision because like I love the name now and everything yeah. that came from it. But it was one of those things where I was like, should I, shouldn't I? But I also think like now I wouldn't be as worried about yeah. the competition or think about it. But at the time you're like, so scared to tell anyone about your business and your secrets and like it's, you hold on to everything. It's so funny. Like everyone's like, everyone thinks the idea like is everything, but it's like, no, like I've got a million ideas. Everyone has a million ideas. Yes. Like yeah. it's the one in a thousand that actually starts. And then it's like to see it through, that's the challenge. Like you could rattle off all the biggest, like the best business ideas on a podcast and no one's going to like, yeah, that's the thing. I, I used to be the same. Like you'd never tell anyone what your product is or what your name is until you launch. Like it was everything for us yeah. when we launched Happy Skin was so secretive. Um, but yeah, I, you learn a lot going through business uh, and those like realizations, like we spent way too much time worrying about the competition to like stressing out over anyone copying anything from our website or doing similar names and stuff. Like there's a place to, you know, defend your IP and your rights yep. and stuff, but yeah, I think just start and focus on yourself in the beginning is the most important. Yeah. Um, where I want, what I want to paint the picture for is for, for people listening, like explain the business model for me. So at the start, essentially there's two sides of your business. There's the brands that you work with where you go and you source healthy products and, and get them to be part of the boxes and then you sell those to, in, in boxes to the customers. Talk to me about the early days. How did you find the brands? Like what was the process of finding the brands? And then putting them together in the boxes and then how did you find your customers like well how did both sides of the business work yeah sure so from the brand point of view i mean when i started it was brands that i loved but it had a very strict criteria in terms of what their products are made for and always had a nutritionist on the side consulting Mm -hmm. because everything we do has to be nutritionist approved and the idea is like we don't want the customer to have to do the work like it's hard reading food labels it really is confusing um so i just like called up brands or met with them one-on-one and I was like, especially for the first box, I was like, hey, I've got this idea. But my leverage was I will get you in front of 100 media and influencers if you give me your product Mm -hmm. Um, and just to the brands provide us product free of charge in exchange for the marketing campaign. So that's the business model. Mm -hmm. Um, Customers pay $25 a month free shipping to get Mm -hmm. the box super cost effective still and you get so much value in there. Um, so that was sort of my lever for the brands. Cause I yeah. was like, what am I good at? And what do I know that I can, you know, negotiate yeah, and partner? Part, right? Yeah. And I did do that. I did execute that and got them heaps of coverage. Um, and for the customers, it was a funny thing because I'd been working in PR and the media, I noticed this like shift. And this was eight years ago where influencers were becoming more, 
um, I don't want to say important, more influential than yeah. like traditional media outlets. Yeah. And I remember I kept saying to my director, we should be sending um, the brands we look after there. And she kept like, no, 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 yeah. like shutting it down. And I was like, fine, I'll just do yeah. that myself. Um, so that was a key part of the strategy, um, which I sort of launched to them two weeks prior to create awareness and hype. Mm. Um, and then grew the database for those who are landing on the website, growing the database that way to express interest. So when we launched, we were able to launch with the bang, had a database, had yeah. a referral program going, which worked really well as well. Yep. And then I did a lot of PR for the business yep. upon launch because, again, just working to, well, what do I know? What yeah. am I good at? So what did that look like for you? Like when you say do PR, did you just like leverage like your contacts and write press releases and say, hey, this is what we're doing and then getting them to like – for me, someone who came into this with like my background was more in like social media marketing, right? So one of the things I had to learn about later on was like PR and how it works. How does that actually work when someone's trying to get press or PR for their brand? Yeah, so it's about feeding in the story to the journalist and yeah. approaching them and giving them the idea. And as far as like the bullet points and outline of how the story could yeah. work and who else they could interview. But mm. essentially I leveraged off my personal story. Yeah, yeah. Um, for it and I think it's really hard as a founder to put you out there and I'm actually more of an introverted person mm. naturally so I was you know great at promoting other people but when it comes to yourself I found yeah. that hard but I did that and had like huge success with putting my story out there in the early days yeah. and that, that worked really well people people love to hear about yeah. your journey and your story but you feel very vulnerable yeah sharing that yeah because especially for you it was such a personal journey and such like something like your health is like the most personal thing. We had another guest on as well um, who had a sim similar journey in a, in a way. Um, for years she struggled with the autoimmune and like her doctors were like just giving her like drugs and medication saying there's not really much we can do for you. Have you ever met Rebecca from Soul Carbs? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously like you, you guys awesome. will probably get along yeah. um, really well. But yeah, um, so with your business model, going back to that, it seems like uh, – is there a lot of competition now for you guys, like in terms of this sort of business model? Because looking at it from the outside in, and this is like all the best business ideas is like when someone looks at it like, fuck, why didn't I think of that? Because like it's win for your your brands because they're getting like their product in front of all these people. It's win for your customers because they're paying 25 bucks and getting all these products and free shipping. It's like the value is massive for them. And then you're getting your product free from the brands. So obviously that's good for your margins. And then that's good for you. Now, have you noticed like there's a lot of competition come in over the last like few years and really made it like more difficult for you guys or? Yeah. I mean, so we were the first in the health food space to do this. There was a beauty box in Australia yeah. at the time. Um, and then over the years that followed, there were a lot of companies that have come and gone mm, throughout the years yeah. doing what we've doing what we do. Yeah. Um, so, and now, yeah, a lot of them have shut down. So like, I won't lie, I was worried, you know, yeah. in the early days when you see them and like, it's so important not to worry and to just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. I mean, one of them even took the core of our name, like copied our website and yeah. you know what I mean? And for me, what concerns me most about that is more our reputation with the brands that mm -hmm. they're approaching it on the brands to think yeah. that their service is how we'd service them and mistake them for yeah. us. But, um, yeah, so that's happened, but I think that's so normal yeah. in, in any industry for that to happen. Because what I noticed for us when we when we started getting a lot of press for like X amount of million in whatever the year, that those articles which are amazing for your business and it drives so much like awareness to your brand and what you guys are working on, 
every time we'd add like a series of those articles go live, you'd notice a lot more competition pop up over the next three to six months. And you guys had a lot of press and you, you had a lot of really early success. You guys did, didn't you hit like a million dollars in your first year of sales? Yep. How yeah. did you guy, how did you go to telling that story? You know, how you, you don't, yeah. How was that for you? Yeah. I honestly, like I never thought about what we'd hit that first year or like mm. I just was concerned about the execution. Yeah. So that was a huge shock for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, everything ended up going back into the business, thankfully, because yeah. you have a thought like, oh, I'll go buy a car. Like yeah. this is so cool. And thank God I didn't because yeah. I really would have been in trouble had oh, I yeah. done that. Um, so I don't know, you know, following on that, um, when we launched subscriptions, online subscriptions, it was very, very early days. Like PayPal didn't even know how to manage subscriptions properly yeah. at the time. So the following year, our website with the accumulation of all the subscribers started to have trouble managing them. Yeah. And when I say that, what that looked like was like boxes getting skipped or, mm. you know, failed payments, not knowing how to manage that. Or yeah. maybe you'd get two boxes one month or like the customer experience was just yeah. shocking. Yeah. Um, and so that created a whole lot of flow and effects that we then needed to fix and rebuild the site. Because building, a, building a, rebuilding a website can be extremely expensive. Yes. What, did, what did that process look like for you? How long did it take to finally get your website right and get it actually um, handling the subscriptions and getting all the orders correct yeah. to the customers? It actually took a couple of years because I had to do it twice. So we did it once on Drupal, like did not yeah. work issues, um, and then rebuilt it again, Ruby on Rails, and that was a hugely expensive process mm -hmm. um, which like drained the business of mm -hmm. all our money pretty much and that was – probably one of the worst days in the business yeah. where I realized we've got three weeks left of cash and mm. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? And that was coupled as well with, we um, used to run these amazing whole food night markets at the grounds of Alexandria yeah. where we'd have like thousands of attendees and brand sponsoring stores. And like, it was really like this festival of whole foods. It was this amazing atmosphere. And I remember, um, the team was like celebrating one night and yeah. um, when it finished, they were so excited and I was like standing in front of all of them, like smiling. And inside I was like, oh my God, I have no money left to like pay their salaries yeah. in two weeks. I was freaking out. Yeah. So what do you do in business when you're, when you're faced with the, the decision to make? It's like, I know, for example, when you're at, we need to rebuild the site for the second time, you know, it's going to cost X amount of dollars, nearly all everything you have in the bank or a significant chunk of your savings. And be like, you know, it's the right thing to do for the business. How do you make those decisions when it's like, this is what I need to do, but it's taking a, a massive risk. And it's like, is it worth putting all our eggs in this one basket? Because one of the biggest things about business that I feel like is going to, is the difference between a good leader and a bad leader is your ability to make decisions under pressure mm. and what the decisions are. How do you make those decisions when you're faced with them? And do you have any mentors that you lean on? Do you, do you, do you forecast everything and do it? like with Excel, with your head, or do you kind of trust your intuition and go with your gut for those big decisions? Yeah. I used to go with my gut a lot in the yeah. early days, but now we forecast absolutely everything. Yeah. And I'm very lucky. My husband's now joined the business this yeah. year and his background's in investment banking and oh, finance. Perfect. So everything is like yeah, yeah. to the T now. Yeah. And he was always there in the background trying to help in that regard. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, when we got to that point, I didn't plan out – um, that budget 
could go over mm-hmm. and that was a mistake not tying up the contract with that agency as, as watertight as it should have been. So yeah. we kept getting, you know, pushed more and more to pay and, you know, a site's three quarters way through, well, what are you going to do? You just got to keep you paying gotta, to get it yeah. finished and they were dragging it out. So that was a mistake that I've learned with contracts yeah. to like just have a really so what 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 boundaries. like. So the, you didn't have like a maximum or it was guaranteed that would get this done within that range or it was just like, were they billing by hour or? By time. It was by time. Uh, it's it's yeah. hard because obviously the agencies work off the models they work off and a lot of time it's it's that. But like some t- like I was talking to Joe about this yesterday. We're working with a, a, a dev for, for another project as well. And it's like they're not – they bill off time, which you have to be flexible with, but it's like – then they're in control of how much it, it charges. So by them taking longer, they're actually getting more money and you're having to wait a longer period of time. So it is tricky, but is there a way that you can set up your contracts to be like to safeguard you in those situations? Yeah. So we're actually about to launch a new site. Mm-hmm. We're meant to go live next week, but okay. we will see, yeah. see at this point. But um, yes, we've set like very clear goals. Absolutely everything is yeah. documented yeah. and, you know, it's like payments made upon release of of certain goals and activities um and it's not about time that's up to the agency to estimate you know how long their devs and their team's going to take so that's 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 exactly what i was that's that's where i believe is i was talking to our operations manager um who is one of my best friends but he came from a he was like a um a project manager at like a large like software company um and he was talking about the process they had to to do and they had to they had to log, I think it was like their entire day, they had to log everything apart from half. And they got half an hour lee- leeway. Every single ag- the activity they had to do was log. So if he replied to an email for three minutes, he would have to log that email for three minutes. So why did you guys have to do it to that? Because every single minute of our time is billed back to the client. Like, I just think that's such a flawed business model. Shouldn't it be up to the agency or the provider to like be able to forecast how much time it's going to take and factor that all in and go to the client with, hey, this is what it's going to cost. Um, this is our estimates have a little bit of agreed flexibility in there and like paying at certain like uh, the goals of completion. And then it's up to them to manage that because it puts so much pressure on brands. Like I've had projects blow out like three times what the budget was like spending, like some things like, Oh yeah, it'll be like $3,000 to fix ends up costing you $15,000 and it doesn't even do what it's supposed to do. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's a tricky place in business, particularly like a lot of the people that listen to the, this podcast are like startups and like people like, that don't even have a business yet um, and they're spending like thousands of dollars on a dev to build their website. We're like, just do whatever you can yourself on Shopify before investing all that money because yeah. that's like your lifeblood. The cash at the beginning of a business is so important. And like you said, you've built a business that's been successful for eight years, but there was a period in the time you're like, fuck, I got three weeks cash left. Oh, yeah. It's so tricky. so scary. Yeah. Those are sort of some of the worst times when you're mm. in that position. Yeah. So, Yeah. What about, what about emotionally? How, how are you feeling in, in those moments where you're like, like at that like breaking point in business, you got three weeks left in cash. Like how do you, how do you get through those tough moments in business when everything's really difficult and you could potentially lose, lose everything you've worked so hard for? Yeah. I mean, I was really upset and overwhelmed at that time and was just very lucky Mm -hmm. that things got saved because of there's this thing out there called the R&D tax where you, Mm. you know, you get back a percentage for everything you've spent on on innovative web development. And that was, that was sheer luck. Like Mm. I can't, like it just came back into the bank account on time. Yeah. Um, I rely on 
the people around me who support me in those like really low moments. And that's why I think it's so important to have the right people around you for that reason. Yeah. Like my husband has been incredible being like, you can do this, keep going. My dad has been really, really amazing like that since the beginning as well. Yeah. And there's something about also, I think growing up having like, cause I've been thinking about this, having like a male figure as a female, a male mm-hmm. figure in your life who's like, no, this is your worth and they believe in you, I think has been really fundamental for me. Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, yeah, just, you know, I think as as a business owner, you often have very strong self-belief, but there, yeah. there are times where you're like, oh, like that self-doubt creeps in and I think that's when you need to rely on those people around you as well. And what do you think the impacts are for the for the for the people or women in business that didn't have uh, that strong supportive male figure in their life while they were were growing up? Yeah, oh, that's a hard question. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know a hundred percent because I haven't been in those shoes. Um, but you know, may, maybe it was their mum, or maybe it was a yeah. friend or partner or someone. But I think it's it's important to have someone there to lift you up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I heard some quote, I don't know if this is true or not, but yeah. something about how like your father instills your self-worth and your mother's related to your self-esteem. Mm. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I thought that was like quite interesting. For me, because business is such a tumultuous journey, ups and downs all the time, like if you you need to have this belief in yourself that can ride through anything because if you always value yourself based on the external and like – the, tr- the goals you're hitting, the amount of revenue, the amount of profit you're hitting. It's such a dangerous place. I was actually talking about this a lot. It's like, it's dangerous to do that. But then it's like, if this is my belief, I could, I could be wrong. It's I feel like there's two main groups of people that get their, their self-belief. It's either from the external, the people that it's easy to, to feel good about yourself when you're turning over X amount of million dollars per year, you drive a nice car, um, you know, you're getting attention from, from the like the opposite sex or whoever you're into when that's all going good, it's easy to have that self-worth, mm. but then, so there's the external, then there's the internal. And I was thinking, I'd love to hear what, what you think is like, okay. Cause I'm not so much driven by the external thing. I've always been, and uh, I was back in my school last week and they're like, you have not changed at all. I was always such a confident kid, a little bit like at times like cocky in, in a way, not even like a bad arrogant way, but I always just say, Oh, I'm going to come first in this exam. And that, but like. I feel like this, um, that my level of like self-belief comes from ego, but I don't mean ego in like the bad way. I mean, ego is in like everything that, like your subconscious, like everything you do to protect yourself. And my confidence, my self-belief is probably at some point was created as a protection mechanism, right? Yeah. And now it's like, what's the best way to go about that? Should you, is, is it, is it a bad thing to, to, just ignore everything in your head and build that. Is that ego? Because some people will try and say, no, that's just ego, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, It's not a fully formed thought yet, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I always think like if you don't believe in yourself, especially initially, no one else will. And like Mm. people feed off that. So when you ask me about, well, how did I approach the brands in the early days? I felt like because I had such a strong belief in this idea, they fed off that and they were like, yeah, you like they believed I could do it and they were happy to like give me thousands of dollars worth of stock or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important to have that yeah. self-belief. It g- yeah. gives you that conviction as yeah. well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And what about, so to manage your, your workflow and your mental health, the ups and downs, you've got a really good support network, which is extremely important. 
I imagine you have a, a team who helps you a lot and supports you along the way outside of just your husband and who's obviously in the business as well. But what do you do personally? What's been some like massive non-negotiables for you in terms of your routine or your workflow to make sure that you can feel your best mentally? And then, because if you can't feel your best mentally and physically, how are you going to show up and do your best yeah. in, the, in the business? That's been huge for me. And also because I've been forced to look after my health otherwise. Mm-hmm. So my condition is not a, something you can cure. It's something yeah. I have to manage always. Yeah. Um, so like walking for me in the mornings mm-hmm. is like my one almost non-negotiable. Um, and even like I've got a little girl now, she's one and a half, like I'll take her every morning and that's also part of our time together. But that walking is, yeah, I find like mentally is really good for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and then a lot of it also comes down to like my food and my lifestyle. I'd love to say like before I had a kid sleep, it was yeah. like a big thing. I was like, I have to have eight hours. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, haven't had that. I can't do that. <laughs> I get that for mums. Like that's, it's so hard. And it's really hard to look after yourself um, with food and your routine as yeah. a mum as well. Like you're so time poor and looking after someone else first all the time. That was something that I didn't fully understand um, until I had a child. But for me, it's about having the right choices at home and in yeah. your cupboard to start with so yeah. that you've just got the right options there, which was exactly, you know, part of why we started the online shop as yeah. well. It's like, how can we help you make that better choice? Um, so food for me is like really just avoiding that mm. processed and artificial food and making the right choice. But those are like Really simple things. Yeah. Just like the walking is probably the main thing for me. Yeah. And, yeah. and what was that adjustment period like for you um, to go from running a business where it's like you said, it, your priority is like yourself and, and obviously your husband. You don't really have to prioritize anything else over your mission, which is like, you know, the business and everything that it stands for. And then you obviously have a, a baby and that change. What did that adjustment period look like for yeah. you? Yeah. I feel like I don't hear about this spoken enough in business, which is like the idea of like when you're a woman and you're running a business and you get to that point where you want to have a baby. And I guarantee every woman goes through this, well, how am I going to run the business and have a baby and do it all? Like it's a very, very scary thought um, because your business is like your baby as well. And so that was something I thought about a lot and I, I was really scared to do it as well. Um, and it's turned out to be like the, the best thing obviously yeah. that's ever happened to me. And I've actually achieved more since having a baby than I like ever have in the last year, which, um, you know, mums, mums are the best workers, why do you I think, think. Why do you think that? Cause it's so, it's so crazy how that happens. Like sometimes taking on more responsibility outside of business makes you so much more effective inside business. Yeah. You just have such clear boundaries. Like, you know, you have to finish up by X time mm. and then you, you can't, like I used to yeah. work so much on the weekends and do so much in the evenings and like mm. you just can't. So, you yeah. know, you've got heads down doing that certain work, but also like your boundaries of what's important, what's not that mm. prioritizing, I don't know. Like it just cuts out all the. So work like your work life balance you think has had to change. Oh, com- like lifestyles changed yeah. so much. So like I used to wake up super early and that time was like all mine. Yeah, and yeah. now it's like, well, I try to combine her in yeah. it. But like I don't have that time. I have to leave work at four o'clock yeah. every day to go get her. So like yeah. my time, I worked out, it's like, what did I work out? Like a whole day gone when you add up that extra time per yeah. week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's just your your sleep isn't there as much. Um, also, like a, a massive thing for a lot of women when you're running a business, you have a baby, like if you decide or if you can 
want to breastfeed, like that could be a year commitment. Yeah. How do you do that when it's every few hours and you're trying to work as well? Like that's an, an actual logistical reality to think about, yeah. um, which I found something, yeah, like that was tough mm. as well. So there's all these things you have to think about, like how am I going to manage everything? Yeah, it's it's like it obviously makes it in, in that sense, it makes it like a more difficult as or more challenging to be the, the mother in the relationship running a business. But also it's a beautiful gift because like, yeah, it are these things you have to do, but a man will never get that perspective and never will be able to get that appreciate what you've had to do and how to plan around that. Because every, I've, I've noticed every time I've, and again, it's nowhere near the same as ha- having a kid um, or, or, or working through like a pregnancy or breastfeed or anything like that. But anytime I've take it hard to take on more responsibility or more pressure at the start. I hate it. And it feels really uncomfortable. And I'm like, why did I do this to myself? But then once I get used to it, I'm like, I'm so much better for it. Yeah. So it's in a way it's a gift to be able to do that. And we had, we had Raquel on who's the, um, she just, she was the last episode we released the founder of a like perfume brand called who is Elijah. And she's got two young, uh, young kids as well. She was feeling, there was a story she told on the podcast. She was nine months pregnant. She was literally had booked in for a cesarean, like, 10 days later and they got all their stock in and it was right before Christmas and this was when we were in lockdowns and she had to hand fill 700 bottles, nine months pregnant. She had the kid like a few days later. Oh, wow. Like it just brought on Amazing. The, the, the childbirth because, and it's like the oh, stuff wow. that women have to do in that period is just incredible when like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm really like the older I get and obviously the closer I get to having kids of my, my own, the more I think as a, as a, as a man, you can appreciate what like women ha- like do yeah. Well, that and the sacrifices because like, yeah, when, when someone's working in a job and they get the maternity leave, that's one thing. But there's, you can get maternity leave if you're running a business. But at the end of the day, if no one's making the decisions, what's going to happen with the business, right? Yeah, that's it. And also, like I have to say, I'm so lucky my husband took um, paternity leave as well. Yeah. Like, And not everyone is able do that. Yeah, yeah. to do that. So I was so lucky to have that support so I could, yeah. you know, keep working in the business as well. So I took three months off, you know, yeah. which isn't a long time at all. But mm-hmm. so it, that was, um, yeah, like that was a hard decision for yeah. us as well to figure out. Yeah. And you said you're getting more work done or you're achieving more than you ever have in the last year with managing or having a family. How did you, what, have you made any changes that made you be more effective? Like I've got to be out by four. I can only work between these periods. I have to spend the morning with uh, my baby. How did you, like, what changed to make you be able to achieve the same amount or more in less time? I think there's a few things. One is, like, we have an incredible team and also, like, taking three months off allows you to give a lot of ownership to to, your team members, which, like, they loved and, like, they just ran with it and, like, they're they're so good. I couldn't do anything without them. So that's the first thing. The other thing is our business model changed quite a lot two years ago. From day one, I'd always wanted to launch an online health shop. Um, which is like essentially online retailer is a totally different business model. And now that side of the business has outgrown the subscription wow. side of the business. And that's our, that's really our main, main business. Yeah. Um, so because of that and making that decision, we've just had such enormous growth, particularly in the last 12 months, like particularly this year. Um, and also my husband joining the business, like we – just work so well together. And I've, I've never had that like, oh, I can breathe like there's someone else yeah. there that I can 100% rely on and trust. And yeah. like it is so nice running a business with someone else. Yeah. Like I, I actually said the other day I would 
never start a business again by myself oh, after yeah. going through this yeah. year and yeah, but you have to find the right partner where your yeah. skills, our skills are totally different and yeah. we don't like meddle in each other's side yeah. of the business and like mm-hmm. we just trust each other implicitly and that, that works. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important as well. It's so funny. You're the third guest in the row who said that Raquel brought her husband into the business and same thing, completely opposite skills. You're like, it wasn't a business before he made it the business. He had like all the process and the financials and stuff. And then we had Tim, um, on the podcast who started a, a really cool like fashion brand front runner. Um, and he started it with his partner and he said like, yeah, like we work so well together because we just have complete trust in the other person's doing their job and we don't try and tell the other person how to do theirs and it just works. Um, have you read the book Rocket Fuel? Have you heard of the book Rocket no, Fuel? I haven't. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're, you're living it anyway, but essentially it's like, yeah, just what the recipe for a really good partnership is in business and like having complementary skills rather than like, I mean, it's great to ha- have two people who are the same in a business because you double the amount of energy, but if you can find someone who you can fully trust and is as passionate to the vision and the mission as you, but has uh, a complementary skills, like fills in your weaknesses, like, and then you can just completely trust each other to run their part of the business. It's so good because businesses can be very lonely. You would know this, like yeah. at times it's so lonely. And for a while we had my, my cousin in the business who was our finance manager He's still, he's still in the business, but we had him full-time for probably about two years. And then you just don't need someone at that level in an e-commerce business um, full-time anymore. But like having that person, I'll tell you, like you just said, that you can trust and you know it's like if if you don't know how to figure something out or if you slip up in something that there's someone that you can completely trust and rely yep. on and count on, it's so important. Yep. Like because it's you're not always going to feel your best to be able to do everything yourself. Yeah, and business, it, it is lonely. Like those few years is so lonely and the emotional load is so taxing. And that's why I I'm, I don't regret it, but I just wouldn't do it again. Like if I yeah. started something else, like just yeah. that emotional yeah. load and that loneliness is like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I love it. it. To share the highs and share the lows with someone, it makes everything so much better. Um, I want to speak about that new business model. It's completely like a – it's under the same business, but it's almost like a com- completely different business, two separate businesses, right? At what point did you decide I want to do this and what made you make the decision to to branch out outside just the subscription boxes and add essentially a whole online store for health foods? Yeah. I always wanted to do it from day one and I remember discussing with my husband, he said it's a, it's a totally different business model, mm-hmm. like particularly operationally yeah. to manage, which it is. Um, <laughs> So it took me six years to be in a position where we could actually even entertain the thought and look at it. Like it was a long time. But essentially like our customer journey isn't complete. Like they discover all these amazing products and then it's like, great. Now go find them. Go find (laughs) them. You know what I mean? So we were pushing our community into other retailers, which we still do and I'm fine with. Um, But it just made so much sense. Like just give it to them, just make it easy. Um, So – we started off like testing with the drop shipping model um, and then we went into like we don't do drop shipping now but just a self-fulfilled model for the oh, shop. Oh, really? So you have all your stock in your own warehouse or your own 3PL? Yeah, so we hold everything. We've got 4,000 products. Everything's wow. nutritionist approved. So like everything is vetted. I just don't want anyone to have to do the work because I went through that process mm. and it's so hard and complicated and the food industry deliberately make it complex to you know trick you into thinking a product is perhaps healthier than it is yeah you know better for you than it than it is and that's something that i'm i like i i eat pretty clean um 90 of the time but when i'm not eating clean and this is something i've been thinking about a lot 
recently with my partner as well. Um, because I'm the type of person that I don't need to watch what I eat in terms of weight, like putting on weight. I don't need to, th- oh, it's, it's easy for me to ignore the, what's in the ingredients, what are the macros, how much protein, fat, sugars. I don't like, it doesn't bother me, but I'm starting to become really concerned. Not because I'm feeling worse, but like you just look at one of the things and it's all labeled like chemicals and X, like all these stuff. I'm like, what are these chemicals? What are these additives? What are these, all these different things that I have in there. And it's just scary because I feel like we don't know the long-term repercussions of eating that stuff over decades and decades. So it's scary yeah. for me to think about what's happening on the inside just because you may look okay on the outside. I'm actually becoming increasingly worried about the impacts it's having to us longer term. Yeah, it's it's crazy what they put in your foods and the foods you'd least expect, like the rice on the shelf. Like you think it's just rice. It's like, no, they often put fillers in there and all sorts of things. I think what you said is so important because you might not be feeling it down, feeling it now, but it's that accumulation of like putting those processed and artificial ingredients in your body over the years and years and years and eventually which is part of what I think also happened to me like your gut or your body can't handle it anymore and starts reacting in different ways and there's this such a huge movement about gut health now and how it's connected to all areas of our of our body but it's like you know what are we putting in to fuel us every day and like essentially it's like your body breaks and and can't handle it anymore or, um, you know, with autoimmune conditions because I've done so much reading about it, they're becoming more and more aware of them and seeing, you know, more and more people with them. But, like, is it just more that they're diagnosing it more or is it that, you know, the foods and our lifestyle now is, like, causing it more to happen? And with gut health, um, a lot of it has been linked to autoimmune. So it's, like... Yeah, is, is there a stat or a percentage out there, I'm, I'm not sure, that autoimmunes, because autoimmunes, like, it's kind of, again, I'm very uneducated. This is the bracket of, like, they don't exactly know exactly what it is. It's almost a too hard bucket, it seems, a lot of the time. But is there a stat as, like, how many of them that have been able to manage their symptoms was related to diet specifically? Because I, I hear a lot of stories that it was related to diet and people got yeah. over their autoimmune conditions. I don't know about statistics out there. I mean, I've read that there's over 80 different kinds of autoimmune conditions, but um, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there and social groups where they talk about diet a lot to help manage it. So, um, yeah, I think it does play a huge role. And um, why why do so many people, do you think, get nutrition wrong? Is it because it's like you said, they don't really understand it, they make it difficult to understand on purpose, so they just don't think about it? What is it? Yeah, I think it's complex. Like there's so many different diets out there and health programs and like companies monetizing of health and nutrition. Yeah. Um, I think for, for me, there would be nothing worse than like counting calories and counting your macros and like just counting everything. You become so obsessive and feel so restrictive. And so for me, the simplest way to think about things is, okay, let's just try eat real food and put real food in your body and don't count anything because eventually your body will feel nourished and it'll work the way it's supposed to and things will work out and you won't get those intense cravings or anything like that. You know what I mean? That you're always trying to like control. So a lot of people say they find freedom in whole food because of that. There's no more restriction. Well, like like you say, there's so many different diets out there and like there'll, there'll be people that swear by carnivore and people that swear by the vegan diet, but like it's really hard to argue against just whole foods in general. Like, yeah, and at the core of those is eating whole foods. They might just have cut out specific groups, yeah. but it's still like all these 
diets are yeah. cutting out artificial and processed food essentially yeah. at the end yeah. of the day. So if you do one thing, it would be to try yeah. do that. And what are, what are some of like the big substitutions or the easiest substitutions people can make um, that are cutting out like a lot of unneeded necessary chemicals? Like I said, the rice example for one, what are some of the products or things that are pretty easy for people to change that they may not realise is actually filled with things that shouldn't be filled yeah. with? Well, I think the first easiest one is soft drinks. Like, yeah. like there are so many amazing options now out there that are not only sugar-free but that don't have the artificial sweeteners, which are just a yeah, standard not, drink. Yeah. yeah, so there's so many good options out there. So that's like the easiest cut. Like if you love your soft drink, there's others that taste just the same yeah. that are sugar-free and all natural. Um, I think things like cereals, you know, and just knowing it's particularly like what you're giving your kids maybe as well is really important. So – um, looking for cereals and granolas made with whole food and then things like dressings and your sauces and things yeah. like that. Like that's where they can sneak in all those things that you think, you know, mm. shouldn't be there but but are. So, um, oh, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. Snack bars. Yeah. But uh, the way I did it was sort of like a category at a time because it can get really overwhelming as well. Like yeah. if you just clean out your whole pantry and you're like, okay, I'm going to, yeah. you know, you've got to do it step by step because you've got to create habit as well and yeah. to try take on too many things at once can be overwhelming. And do you guys have like a, a blog or like a, a, an email database that you send a lot of these tips or information that people can use as resources as well? Yeah. So we've got our newsletter where we always send out health tips like that. Yeah. And then we've also got our blog where there's heaps of, you know, guides in there yeah. and, you know, how to swap out your granolas or your cereals or your bars or your dressings and give you all the options. And it is a journey of getting familiar with the the brands mm. who are doing, I say doing the right thing, yeah. but yeah. So with the, are you looking to, as you continue to grow the online store, like are you going to be introducing more products and more categories and more options like in, in the future? Like is this something that if, okay, I don't want to do the work because let's just say I want to cut out all the chemicals in my diet that I don't need to eat. Is the end goal or is the, th is the process going to look like, okay, I can just come to goodness me and like just get pretty much everything I need from there. Yeah. So, I mean, We've got we've got so many products at the moment, but it's you can do your supermarket shop with us. Oh, we just don't do have we yeah. just don't have chilled like cold yeah. products. Yeah. yeah, but you can do your whole shop with us. Our mm -hmm. new site will have like shopping lists made for you. So if you've started your gluten free journey, uh -huh. like we've done all the essentials for you. If you're going vegan, if you're trying keto, whatever yeah. it might be, yeah. like that's all they're done for you as well. Um, but then we've also been building out like our vitamin and supplement section, home eco, like sustainability, that's all really important to us as yeah. well. And then even the whole beauty and skincare. So I just want it to be like you go to your supermarket, like you can do your entire grocery shop and then maybe you're getting your yeah. fruit and veg somewhere else. Yeah. So the, like the most important thing for this journey you're going on, I assume, is trust. Because if you – because if – again, if, if you want to be – like if I'm thinking of, if I'm coming to buy from you, I need to know and trust that you guys have done the thinking for me and I can just come and buy whatever I want here and it's filled with the good stuff and it's not filled with the bad stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And we're, we're super strict with that. Like we've got a whole team of nutritionists now who vet everything yeah. and yeah, you don't, you don't want to have to mm -hmm. do all that work. But at the same time, we are all about empowering you to learn as well. Mm -hmm. So we've got like a, a guide how to read food labels yeah. and a glossary of ingredients to look out for if you yeah. want to educate yourself, yeah. you know, to learn more. Yeah. And with that side of this new business, like you said, it's completely other, it's a completely different business model. It's growing already faster than the other side. 
how do you grow that business? Like it's completely different. What's your process? How are you getting more new customers? Are you driving referrals? Are you doing advertising? How are you actually going about growing this new business? Yeah, these days you've got to do a bit of everything in marketing, I find. Like in the early days I relied on three or four channels and it's like you, yeah. can, you can't do that anymore. No, no. not at so all. Everything from, um, you know, digital advertising, social media, database growth, affiliates, yeah. um, you know, forget everything. Yeah. We don't yeah. do a lot of um, traditional like above the line marketing. Yeah. That was more sort of a symptom of COVID yeah. the last few years and we haven't got back into that yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've, you've just got to be trying everything at this point. Yeah, got, yeah. gone are the days like obviously being in e-com, it, w- it was really simple like – there were businesses that only ran Facebook ads and they could do a million dollars a month easily. Yeah. Like easily, yeah. just the Facebook ads. It's always changing in business. So I'm always interested to hear like what you were doing back in the day versus what you're doing now. Like it's three, four channels was all you needed to do. Now you have to expand that continuously because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. Like Yeah, that's it. And I mean, mm. if you find that one channel that's working really well for you, that's great. I double down on that. Yep. But I also think your database is always so important because, you know, as everyone says, you don't know in the customer on your socials and everywhere yeah. else, but if you've got their email address, yeah. you're always able to contact them. So yeah. I think that's really important. And have you been able to convert a lot of the um, sampling customers through the Good As Me boxes over to um, customers on the online store? Yeah. So that's been like a great feeder to get mm. them. Or some people like will do the subscription box for just say like a year or nine months and they're like, mm. okay, now I feel confident enough to shop by myself and know what to choose after yeah. discovering all these brands. Yeah. So if we can empower them to feel that way as well, then yeah. that's good. How, how many brands have you worked with now? Like do you think like health food brands? Um, I'd say a couple thousand. A couple thousand. Yeah, like our database is a lot bigger than that with brands, but the yeah. ones we've actually worked with and helped. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine you've worked with some brands once off, some brands for several years, and you would have a real good feel and understanding of the health food space as a, as a brand owner. Now, one thing I'm really, I want to get your opinion on, or maybe some key things you would do or focus on is if someone was listening and they wanted to start a health food brand, or if you were going to start a health food brand, mm. what are some of like the what are some of the things you'd avoid doing that you've seen some ones that maybe didn't, weren't so successful or didn't end up being able to, you know, continue in business First ones that have gone on and grown and went from strength to strength. What are, what are the, some of the things that you would do and some of the things you'd make sure to avoid if you were going to start a, a brand in that space? Yeah. I think number one, taste is so important. So a lot of brands, particularly in the health space, will launch something that's got like all these great health benefits, which is excellent to do but at the end of the day a consumer won't keep buying your product if the taste isn't amazing like that's just the number number one thing to do and you have to nail and it's hard when you're trying to add all these other like benefits as well yeah taste is so important I think a lot of brands underestimate the value of good packaging um like we're fickle as consumers and like you do get attracted to a certain type of packaging so I think like if you're going to launch something like make it look good like spend on that design to, so people also like take your business seriously and um, particularly in bricks and mortar stores and retail like you have to yeah. catch the eye on the shelf I think it's always smart to do something that's part of daily consumption mm. you want to get that ritual from the consumer and then they'll keep buying from you again and again and again so if you can think of something that's in daily consumption I'd, yeah. I'd do that um, and then thinking about categories that aren't completely flooded so for example like the bliss ball category which went 
crazy yeah. over the last eight years. Like there's probably I'd say like two winners out there at the moment. The others who mm. haven't survived, and it's been a it's been a lot harder. Um, and then your, your margin has to work. I've seen a lot of companies not survive because they just yeah. didn't have enough margin, which is hard in food. Like the margins, yeah. are not the margins really, yeah. aren't huge. And then so a lot of it might become this game of scale, but then you get into the massive giant retailers who will squeeze you on margin because they've got all the control, which is yeah. something we do not do to the brands and is really important to us. Mm. So we're not there to squeeze them so that they can't survive and you know yeah. what I mean? And so a lot of brands don't want to get into the the big supermarkets for that reason. Um, and and is, it, is it a risk to get into them too early as well, like in your journey? Um, because massive orders, really tight terms if you can't fulfill that right. It's yeah, the risk is you have to be able to fulfill. Yeah. Um, you have to be prepared that you can, from what I hear, get bumped off the shelf within some of them is, you know, 12 weeks or something. I suppose everyone's got different agreements, but from what I've heard. And then a lot of them have to invest then in a huge amount of marketing dollars to support the brand yeah. in the retailer. And I think it's great to work as a partnership and support one another. You can't just expect the retailer to sell your product if you're not doing marketing around yeah. it. But um the level of expense is enormous. Like I know one retailer where they make more money from the co-op advertising than from the products that they actually yeah. sell. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of marketing, the other thing I see a lot is like you'll get a really passionate farmer, for example, who's got an amazing product. Yeah. Maybe they've done really great packaging as well, but they just don't know how to promote it and market it and mm -hmm. get it out there and that's sort of where they become unstuck. So I yeah. think knowing how to do marketing is important. What would your advice be to someone that was, is like that farmer, really good product and good packaging, but what would you say, okay, would you recommend the farmer to learn how to market themselves or are there good marketing agencies in the health food space that, that you would work with or is that something that one day you guys would like build on like the brand side to help them be successful brands yeah, I think finding someone who could do marketing for you, but if it was me, I'd get someone in-house if yeah. I could. Agencies are hard. Like I think when you're relying on an agency to just nail a certain part, like to nail all the marketing in your business or like all the advertising, or it's difficult. They're not able to put in the same amount of hours, the same passion, the same level of detail yeah. that you do. And I'm sure we've all experienced like and a it, bad experience with an agency. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, but the thing is, the, you think, oh, it's, it's, it's lower risk for me to go to an agency, but you're going to end up paying pretty much the same as what you would for a full-time yeah. staff anyway. And they can say, oh, yeah, all our resources and knowledge. But at the end of the day, they're probably going to spend a quarter of the time that a full-time person would and they're not going to understand. Whether they say, we get your vision, we get where you're going, we understand it. At the end of the day, they're never really truly going to understand who you are, what you want to achieve and where the vision is and the fine int intricacies of what being your brand is and how that looks and how yeah. you communicate. And yeah, I could go on about working with agencies all day, mm. but yeah. yeah. And especially in the early days as well, like mm. you want to try own that experience. If Look, if you've got like the capital behind you to invest in an agency to look after certain areas, yeah. then go for it. But I've learned they need to be very tightly manage exactly yeah that was going to be my next point you can't just because i've been guilty at times um earlier on in the business journey where you think okay i've got an agency i don't have to think about it yeah no 
you still have to put, and that's the thing, managing an agency and communicating exactly what your needs and goals are and certain changes or things that you want to get done or, or, or achieve. There's a lot of work in that as well. And if you forget about it and just think they always necessarily have your best interest at heart and not their own, or they haven't forgot about you because of the million other clients that are pressing them for things. It's, it's quite naive to, to, to believe that and have full blind trust yes. in an agency. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that as well. You, you mentioned something that I'm, curious about and if you have any thoughts on this as well because people always like oh what's the new next thing what's you mentioned bliss balls and blew up what's some categories that are starting to emerge now that you think hmm this is interesting maybe in the next one or two years it's yeah. going to become um yeah nootropics are really big right now in drinks so you're starting to see a lot of brands emerge um and then a lot of like the bigger brands out there like you know, they might be like the remedies or the next yeah. starting to put that in their beverages. Yeah. And I think just, yeah, that focus is really important yeah. for people Nut- right now. Nootropics is something I've been extremely interested in for the last few years. But like, I mean, I've got way too much on my plate to even think about starting another business. But like that would be a field that I'm really interested in because I'm always about how do I get the best out of myself, whether that be uh, through like conversations like this or through courses or education or supplements, nootropics, things like that, meditating, things I can add into my life. And I want to look at that in a holistic way. You know what I mean? Not just about what I can go and learn, but what can I put in my body to fuel me, to make me feel the best and get yeah. the best out of myself. So nootropics, that's. Yeah. We that's, all want more energy, yeah. more is, focus. Is there like, have you seen a lot of things like in the mushroom space as well, kind of yeah. come into it? Yeah. A lot. Like mushrooms have been really big. Yeah. Um, ashwagandha at the moment is really yeah. big. So, and then it starts getting put into all sorts of like different foods yeah. and different forms and mm. things like that. So there are things that trend and sort of, you know, might be, um, you know, more important at some stage and then like more PR around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And you see it come and go. But Mm. um, yeah, I suppose those are two particularly big things at the moment. Have you, because you've been around for so long now, eight years, have there been any brands that you've worked with and you've seen their journey from like a a, a relatively small startup to quite quite large? So many. So Remedy drinks. Kombucha. Kombucha. Yep. So I believe they were bought out by that massive beverage company, Lion Nathan. So they – Started out, they were at our um, whole food markets with like really? a little store there oh. and they were super small at that yeah. stage. So that was like, that's been really cool to see their journey. I remember Vita Glow had a um, oh, yeah. collagen company. Mm. They had a store mm. at ours and they're enormous at the moment. Yeah. Um, so there's been so, so many brands. We um, helped launch Pix Peanut Butter in Australia when they first landed. Oh, yeah. the, the news, like the NZ brand, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how big they are now, but I remember reading mm. an article quite a few years ago. They Turning over forty million dollars, and yeah. they've got this huge like peanut butter Willy Wonka factory in New Zealand, really? which looks oh, really epic. cool. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen quite a lot of brands yeah. like come out and have that growth. It's exciting, yeah, yeah. To, to be a part of that journey, right, and to see them. And you, I'm assuming you'd learn a lot from your brands just as much as they would learn from you, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's that was my favorite part in the early days. I used to speak to a lot of the brands one on one a lot. I don't get to as much now, yeah. but like that was really cool. It's kind of like. Yeah. What you get to do with the podcast, like yeah. hearing other people's yeah. stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Well, we'll have like one one more question. We'll start to wrap up. But looking back at your journey, you've been in it for eight years. You've been able to build an awesome business. And then a second one that's emerged on top of that. And obviously the ceiling for that business is really high, particularly with the way that the world's going in terms of more conscious about health and food and what we're putting into our body. But looking back for your journey specifically with your business, 
what's if you could if you could change one thing, what would it be? And I don't mean like oh. I have no like regret. Like uh, you learn from your mistakes, all part of my journey. I get that, and like it's part of it. But what do you think? If you could do one thing differently, would have made your business even more successful than it is? Oh gosh, it's a hard question. Um, I think if I could have gotten my husband to start in the business with me from the beginning, yeah. we'd be in a very different place. Um, that was a bit out of control. So maybe that's yeah. a bit of a, a cop-out answer. Uh, I, no, I thought that was going to be your answer when I was just asking <laughs> you then. But that, that that makes sense. Yeah, the people that are inside your business to help you along with your journey are extremely important. Like you can't you can't deny that. Like, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I've had so much of his support and time from what he could do from the beginning, but it's just like next level when you're actually, together full-time. yeah. yeah together yeah and and what's next with you with the business what's the next 12 months to 24 months look like yeah so we're very excited about launching this new site only because like our site was built for subscription box business so it's like the whole retail and shopping experience like you want to be in and out quickly you want as little friction as possible so we really feel like that's going to be huge for us but we just really focused on growing the range as much as possible so that you've got options and we just want to be that go to grocery store for you and like there's nobody owning the space at the moment in the health food space where you can just go there and do your grocery shop and 100% Mm. trust everything um, that you're buying. So um, we're just looking at at really scaling the shop at the moment. Um, well, good luck with that. I think definitely uh, it's so good that I, I, I meet all these people and these incredible businesses and I'm like, yeah, I want to, I'm a, that's exactly what I need in my life right now. So I'll tell you what, guarantee I'll be a customer of yours because I, I eat well most of the time, but then like sometimes I, I want to, you know, treat myself, but I don't want to treat myself with a bunch of chemicals. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. really starting to not, um, yeah, I just don't, I think it's disgusting what we put in our bodies. You know what I mean? I really want to look after myself. So I'll be a customer. Um, and for anyone who's interested in, in, in your products, where's the best place to find you or, or, or the business? Yeah, sure. So we're goodnessme.com.au is our website. And then goodnessme on Instagram is probably the best, the best place. place. We do lots of tips and videos and yeah. swaps for the traditional foods that you might love. And you're yeah. like, I still want that, but what else can I eat instead? Speaking of swaps for traditional foods, one question I have, and I always joke around with Joe about this, but I generally want to know your, your opinion. I've asked another dietitian we had on here. But what's your opinion on like seed oils and like in like margarines and stuff? Oh, yeah. So seed oils are from – I'm not a nutritionist. I should mm-hmm. just say so this is what I've learned. Yeah. They are inflammatory. And the issue is like we've got an imbalance between omega-6 and omega-3 in our diet because of all the processed food and seed oils. So, yeah. you know, that's why they say have more omega-3s as well. So – we do say, though, when it's in minimal amounts and you can read an ingredient list, the, the ingredients go in um, kind of descending order, sorry, of yeah. the biggest to the smallest. If it's in minimal amounts, like don't sweat the small stuff. Like yeah. you want to make health yeah. easy and not stressful yeah. either. And that's where things get a bit grey and confusing. Yeah. But um, Yeah, we had a dietitian yeah. on and I asked as well. It's always interesting to get different perspectives because for me, like, I'm 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 only I'm vegetarian. I'm not vegan, but I try to cut out as many dairy products as I can. So, what what are some? Do you have like my like what are some alternatives or what's like the best options in terms of butters or margarines? Like, oh, yeah. what's kind of the best ones there? So ghee, we oh, okay. have so many people who love ghee on yeah. our shop. So, like ghee is amazing. Um, also, like just traditional butter instead of margarine. We don't sell butter, yeah. but that's that's a great option. 
Um, coconut oil is really good. I mean, avocado is yeah. like nature's butter yeah. as well. Um, tahini instead. So those. But I think um, if you haven't tried ghee, definitely give no. it a go. It's, yeah. so, it's so good. And it tastes good because that's the oh, thing as well. Like so you good. try all these like olive-based ones and I'm like, I just don't like to taste. Like all these different like spreads and like some of the nutleck stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. But taste for me, like if it's something I'm going to eat a few times a week, it needs to taste. Yeah, I'll send you some yeah. ghee. You're missing out. Oh, I'm going to buy some heaps <laughs> of stuff from you. So, um, yeah, cool. I, I needed to ask that last question. But thank you, Peter, for yeah. coming in. Um, I'm excited to watch your brand grow and I think you're doing a good thing and to be able to give have a platform for people that want to be more health conscious but I, like me, don't necessarily want another thing that they have to research and spend time looking into. I think – it makes a lot of sense. So congratulations for getting here and uh, good luck for the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favour, do me a favour, do your friends a favour and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.